Welcome to Highway 89, a live music program from the Classical 89 studios at BYU Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, joined today by local musicians Kaysen Brown and Larry G. Kaysen Brown is the founder of the annual Lyceum Summer Music Festival and director of the American Heritage Lyceum Orchestras program, where he oversees five youth or- orchestras. And if you're a fan of the piano guys, you've probably seen him conducting his student orchestra in the very popular Beethoven's Five Secrets video. Larry G. is a well-known accompanist and collaborator in Salt Lake City, also an assistant professor on the piano faculty at the University of Utah. Formerly an assistant conductor at the New York City Opera under Beverly Sills, as well as a coach accompanist at the Utah Symphony and Opera and the piano area director at Snow College. Today we'll start with music of Sergei Rachmaninoff, a famous Russian pianist and composer. He wrote piles of music for the piano, but very few pieces for piano and strings. However, in 1901, he composed his cello sonata in G minor, and we are going to do something a little unusual, which is hear all of the movements today, but we're going to stop and talk about them in between. So we'll get things started with movement one of the cello sonata by Sergei Rachmaninoff. Thank you. 
We've just heard the first movement of Rachmaninoff's cello sonata performed live from the Classical 89 Studios by Cason Brown, cellist and pianist Larry G. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and you're listening to an episode of Highway 89. Cason, thank you for coming in today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. Is this very disruptive to stop in between movements? Uh, this is not something you would do in performance, to stop and talk in between. Can you keep that flow, or, or are you looking forward to the breather? This is great because Rachmaninoff wrote an incredibly challenging sonata physically. I mean, it's it's draining to play the whole thing front to back. So I don't mind a chat, a drink, maybe, <laughs> okay. maybe take a little break, and then we'll do some more. <laughs> we'll, we'll send a staff member over to give you a back rub while we talk. <laughs> you and Larry have been giving concerts together for years and years. And uh, tell me what develops between two musicians who perform together so often. Yeah, I think this is the 13th year, and we've done maybe 12 recitals in 13 years Mm. um, of different programs. And it is. It's wonderful. It's a relationship that goes beyond the musical and into the realm of friendship. We, In fact, we've gone on vacation together. We've gone... um, uh, We've we've spent time at each other's homes and traveled together. It's been a lot of fun. So I I guess I want to ask what percentage of the talk during those is non-music related? Um, can you quantify that? <laughs> well, the, the great thing about having a friend as a musician is you can talk about music. Um, I, I have a lot of friends who are not musical, and so Larry and I get a good chance to do that, but also, of course, the more important things in life, like family and, and church and all the things that we share in common. I wonder, because you are a conductor as well, since being a conductor, do you play any differently as a soloist, having conducted orchestras and, and many different players? Oh, absolutely. And I also conduct differently because I'm a a player. The two inform each other, and especially when it comes to interpretation and getting outside of the music, it's so easy as a as a musician to get caught up in the physical of creating the tone, creating the sound, the technique. But when you're a conductor, you don't have all that business. You just lay back and you enjoy the work of others. Good. Well, we want to enjoy your work more right now. Let's hear the second and the third movements of the cello sonata by Sergei Rachmaninoff. Interesting that Rachmaninoff, uh, he born in, in Russia, went uh, grew up through the conservatory system, but in the revolution 1917 found him having lost his lands, uh, his income, everything. He, two children, a wife, and a few music scores on an open sled headed across the border to Helsinki. I think that was a big life change. And I don't know, I I like to have sort of that mindset when I listen to these movements, second and third movements. Thank you. 
We've heard the second and third movements of the cello sonata by Sergei Rachmaninoff. Working our way through the cello sonata one movement at a time, there is still one movement to come today on Highway 89. And uh, that's a live performance, cellist Kaysen Brown, Larry G., pianist. Rachmaninoff, one of the great pianists of his time and maybe one of the last of the great Russian romantic composers. Larry, I have to express admiration. I'm looking over at the score as you're playing from it. And there's sometimes so many notes on that page. It looks like the spatterings of a Jackson Pollock painting. Well, I was just thinking to myself, here Kaysen's taking all the credit and he's saying, you know, how how it's just so hard and everything like that. And I was sitting over there saying, you have no idea. I'm sorry, you have just one line. I have... (laughs) Tons and tons of notes at a time, and even though your line is gorgeous, it's just... It doesn't compare to what I have to do. <laughs> well, having said that straight, uh, Rachmaninoff himself, uh, a, a great pianist, and loved the piano to be equal. And he often referred to this as a sonata for cello and piano. Is, is that what you feel as you play through it, that it's this duet more than a solo with accompaniment? I don't know. I've always felt like it's a piano concerto with cello accompaniment. But it's, <laughs> it's interesting because the Beethoven sonatas, I believe they're designated as for being, being for piano and cello or something like that. And yeah. if you look at the first uh, two Beethoven sonatas, the piano part is just gargantuan and the cello part is important, but uh, it, it doesn't compare to the piano part. So Rachmaninoff is very similar. When you play through something like this, uh, obviously you're reading the music, but you have to practically have this memorized, don't you? Yes, yes. I have to be really ready to jump from place to place because Rachmaninoff just makes these huge jumps. He had, of course, big, big hands, and so... Um, but for me, they're, they're, they're leaps. I, th- I think I've only counted five notes I haven't seen played so far on the oh, entire keyboard. We're, we're, we're up to 81 or right. so, 82. Right. And, and having known each other for, for 13 years, I heard one of these adventures that you and Kaysen took off on was once to, to ditch everything and go see the New York Philharmonic. Yes. Was this a particular was... performance or just it was a good time to No, get that away? was in uh, uh, Colorado. What's a oh, Vail, Colorado at the Vail Amphitheater. Ah. And uh, it was, it, it's just, uh, yeah, they, they had a two week residency there. And uh, so we went to, I think, two or three concerts and ate a lot of wonderful food there, I remember. <laughs> There's another reason to, to go. Because you work with so many different artists, I mean, in a given year, do you have any estimate how many people you play for or, or that you coach or perform with? I think maybe 50 or 60 at least. Um, just uh, to look at last, last spring, I had 15 student recitals to accompany at the University of Utah. All very different, most of them very difficult because they were just about all instrumental. Mm. Um, and then there uh, are my own students, especially my, my voice students, some of them whom are very advanced that I often collaborate with. So I, I, get, I get the whole gamut from tuba to uh, violin, even sometimes piccolo, and then all manner of voices. Well, we're glad you're here with cello today. So let's finish off Thank this you. concerto. Let's hear the fourth movement of this cello sonata, or as Rachmaninoff and Larry G. like to refer to it as for piano and cello by Rachmaninoff.
The fourth movement to the cello sonata by Sergei Rachmaninoff. That final movement performed live from the Classical 89 Performance Studio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. You are listening to Highway 89. Cason Brown, <laughs> <laughs> you've worked up a lather, I guess, playing this piece. I have to ask you before we go on to the final piece here. It's unusual to have four movements in a sonata, is it not? It is absolutely unusual, and and it makes the piece extra long and extra fun. But that third movement that, that we that we heard uh, with the glorious, heartbreaking cello melody is sort of extra, right? You get the powerful first movement, the glorious finale movement, and then a scherzo in between, which is normal. But that third movement, I don't know what inspired him to put it in, but but um, you know, from its premiere, it's had cellists just melting all over it. So when you play a piece like that from the Romantic era. Do you get to? Do you feel like you just get to make the cello sing in a way you don't on on baroque or or other? Oh yeah, music? you you get to go to the well. I mean, <laughs> whatever the instrument's got, you you milk it out of there. And um, you know, on on radio, I'm sure you can all see the the fantastic faces that I make. All my orchestra <laughs> students are out there laughing because they see them every week. Um, I'm anything but uh but conservative up here. Well, listen, we want to dive into the next piece just because we want to be sure we can fit it in. And this is I, this is not just a tag-on. This is a whole separate wonderful piece. And I wonder if it's from French composer Messiaen. And I wonder, would you set up the very unique circumstances of its writing and, and premiere? Oliver Messiaen was a prisoner of war. Um, in World War II, he was actually held in a Nazi work camp when this piece was written and premiered. Can you imagine, in, in the sort of weather that we have out there right now in Utah, just bone-drying cold, um, a broken-down pianist um, and cellist who were literally prisoners of the Nazis performing this heart-wrenching music. It, um, it's like no other piece of music that I know. Not everybody out there will enjoy it, but everyone will be affected by it. it, it he takes you to a place that not very many of us will ever go, um, in real life, and music has that amazing power to transport all of us. Uh, it's it's um, a, an homage to the eternity of Jesus Christ. He wasn't Messian was not Jewish. He was a, he was a prisoner of war, but he wasn't a, in a Jewish death camp. And um, and you'll hear the eternity of the sound. It almost has no meter. It's the slowest piece of music I've ever played. I think the, the he says eighth note equals forty eight. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah, one one whole note could last 20 seconds, all the bow I've got. We'll hear this fifth movement now, Praise to the Eternity of Jesus, from Messian's Quartet for the End of Time, premiered outdoors January 15th in the cold with the other, the other inmates. And of this, uh, Messian said, quote, Never was I listened to with such rapt attention and comprehension.
praise to the eternity of Jesus, the fifth of six movements in Messiaen's Quartet for the End of Time. That's performed live this evening on Classical 89. That final note, four Ps. I don't know what's beyond pianissimo, doubled, cubed, squared, pianissimo. Beautifully done. Uh, our guest tonight on Highway 89, cellist Kason Brown, pianist Larry G. Thank you to each of them for being here and performing. Also for expert page-turning from Chris Holmes. We, you always know you have a good page-turner when no one knows it happened. <laughs> We welcome comments and questions from our listeners. To contact us, simply send an email to highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a live recital series from the studios of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite, the show's producer Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thank you for listening.